This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Russian invasion of Ukraine that began at the end of February has caused more than 5 million people to flee the country as the brutal assault has not spared civilian populations, schools, or hospitals. For people with rare diseases, the war has sent families in search of needed medications and care as they have crossed the border in search of help. The Healthcare Education Institute, a Poland-based rare disease advocacy group has been working to help Ukrainians with rare diseases get across the border, find accommodations, and connect them to medical care. We spoke to Adrian Goretsky, founder and president of the foundation, about the needs of Ukrainians with rare diseases, what his organization has been able to do to help, and why the humanitarian crisis for these rare disease patients will last beyond the current hostilities. Adrian, thanks for joining us. Hello, Lenny. Thank you for inviting me here. We're going to talk about the Healthcare Education Institute, the work it's been doing to help Ukrainian refugees with rare diseases, and the ongoing needs. Perhaps, though, we can begin with the Healthcare Education Institute. What is the Healthcare Education Institute, and what was the work it was doing before the invasion of Ukraine? Uh, So let me start with the very beginning of my uh, route as a patient advocate. Because I am a patient uh, with rare disease myself, I am a patient with X-linked agammaglobulinemia. And I was engaged uh, in Polish National Association for Patients with Immune Deficiencies uh, since I was a teenager. Then I was a board member, then a president of this association, and I uh, was a leader of this uh, society for over 10 years. I also was a board member of the International Umbrella Organization, the IPOP. But in 2017, I decided to um, to step, uh, step back, uh, step down, and uh, start my own nonprofit, uh, which would be a think tank uh, taking care of rare diseases in Poland, in Europe, mostly on the uh, scientific and legal basis. So since 2017, I am engaged in uh, in creating reports about uh, various rare diseases, analyses, um, legal analyses, uh, uh, scientific ones, research um, in the field of quality of life of patients with rare diseases, namely doing everything which can improve life of patients with um, rare diseases, but from another level than being a patient advocate on the ground. But well, since the war started, uh, we all decided that we need to uh, be back 
as patient advocates, as 100% patient advocates, and we need to help those uh, people fleeing the war. My guess is that most listeners will not have a, a terribly good sense of the healthcare system in Poland. What is it like to live with a rare condition in Poland, and, and how well are these conditions addressed in the country? Well, uh, every year the situation gets better. Um, we've got a single-payer public um, healthcare system in Poland, like in, in other uh, EU countries. And of course, the level of healthcare in Poland is um, somehow lower than in the Western European states, I mean, the old EU. Uh, when it comes to our part of Europe, so the Central Eastern uh, Europe, EU countries, the level is, mm, I would say, okay, and it's getting better every year. Every year there are new diseases that are being uh, treated and uh, the treatment is being reimbursed by the state. Uh, so it's uh, free of charge for patients with rare diseases. I mean, we are in the middle of the road, but uh, the situation is getting better every day. And I can say that most of the known and treated rare diseases that are treated also in the US or in Europe, most of them is also being uh, treated and the treatment is reimbursed in uh, Poland. And of course, we've got much better situation that in the uh, Eastern Europe, right? like in Belarus or, or Ukraine. Uh, you're a rare disease and a rare disease patient advocate, as you mentioned. You're, you're based in Katowice, Poland, about 250 miles from Lviv and about 200 miles from the Ukrainian border. How did the Russian invasion in February change the work you're doing? Totally. Uh, the invasion changed the work totally. Not only because we heard uh, fighting jets over our heads because NATO placed uh, its uh, armed forces near the border, but also because all our day-to-day -day projects uh, has been cancelled or stopped or frozen because of the war. I mean, when we do some PR projects or are about to publish reports or something like that, well, the media are talking, we're talking and are talking uh, mostly about the war, so there is no climate to not good at it, not good um, this is not a good time to do a project like this. So most of our projects were stopped by the clients. Um, even though we are a non-profit, we need to have some commercial activity to, uh, to um, have the foundation in a good uh, condition. So uh, everything has been stopped. And we also decided that we stop all the other projects and we need to, um, we need to focus ourselves on the on helping those patients that are coming through Ukraine. So the invasion changed everything. It changed not only the um, political landscape, social landscape, but also in, in, uh, has a great impact on uh, the work of many NGOs in Poland like ours. Prior to the breakout of, of the war, was there much interaction between your organization and patients in Ukraine? Yes, it was, because we were organizing, and we are still organizing every year, uh, an event called Patient Advocacy Academy, um, which is a free-of-charge course for patient advocates, uh, leaders of patient organizations from Europe, acting in the field of rare disease, uh, namely it was addressed to, to um, the area of plasma-derived therapies, I mean those rare diseases which are 
being uh, treated with plasma-derived therapies. And every year since 2017, uh, and every year since 2018, we had uh, the Ukrainian organization on board. We uh, gave them grants, uh, financial uh, support for them. We also helped them when they got a crisis in supplies with, with medicines in Ukraine last year. So we know both uh, the uh, physicians and patient representatives in many fields, many rare diseases in Ukraine. So, well, we got um, well-established contact uh, in uh, Ukraine. By latest count, I've seen there have been about 5 million Ukrainians who have fled the country since the start of the invasion. Can you give some sense of the world of rare disease in Ukraine? How many people are there with conditions and how available medical care was for these conditions before the war broke out? Well, when it comes to statistics, there are about uh, 1.5 to 2.5 million people with rare diseases in Ukraine. And um, when it comes to level of care, it is, uh, I'm sorry to say it, but it's significantly lower than in um, European Union countries. And uh, this is why we were doing uh, much to support them before the war. And this is why uh, when they flee uh, uh, countries in Western Europe, in the European Union, they have a chance to receive better treatment as well. Uh, but believe me, most of them would like to go back to their homeland uh, than to even have better treatment in, uh, in a, a totally different country. But uh, yes, uh, there are millions of people with diseases in Ukraine. Some of those diseases are well addressed, some of them are not. Generally speaking, uh, those people coming to Poland and other countries have chance to get, receive better healthcare. But nevertheless, when I'm asking them, they always would like to go back to their homeland and maybe have better treatment than in Ukraine. Many patients in Ukraine have reached out to you for help. What's the range of things you've been doing for patients coming into Poland or, or traveling through to other countries? Well, we do a um, lot. I mean, we are about to provide them a comprehensive care. And uh, what we do is, first of all, uh, helping them when they are in Ukraine. I mean, if the family of a patient of the patient himself or herself um, reaching, is reaching us or via physician or patient organizations or directly via our Ukrainian websites, mm, because we created such websites, uh, if they are reaching us when they are in Ukraine, we can uh, make sure that they will cross the border, that they will cross the border with their relatives, because um, there has been a recent change in the law, but since then, uh, men were not allowed to cross the border because they are uh, about to be conscripted into army. So we also did everything to uh, make sure that uh, families as a whole rare disease families as a whole will be able to cross the border. We issue special invitations and so on. And work, work also with, with other lawyers. And um, we also, uh, if there is the condition of the patient or the state of the patient was very bad, we also organized uh, some kind of humanitarian corridors. I mean, we provided fast tracks on the border to make sure that those patients will cross the border without a uh, need of waiting hours or even days 
which was a usual situation at the beginning of the war. Uh, so this is also what we are doing. I mean, making sure if there is a patient that is need, in the need, for example, has an oxygen therapy or is a very bad condition, we were doing everything to provide them with a fast track. Then we are connecting them uh, with medical centers and looking for temporary shelter. I mean, to make sure that they will um, reach a specific city, uh, find a shelter in the city, uh, at least for a month. And then, uh, because if you can cast longer stay, uh, there are some other possibilities in Poland. I mean, people are still inviting Ukrainians to their homes. Uh, there are no refugee camps in Poland. And we were uh, securing them a shelter and um, contacting uh, physicians to set an appointment or hospitalization date. Uh, in the meantime, we were translating their uh, medical records from um, Ukrainian to Polish, but mostly to English, because it's widely understandable among physicians in Poland. So we are translating their medical records that they have on this first visit. They will have everything set and they can receive the continuation of treatment as uh, fast as is possible after reaching Poland. The cruelty of this war has defied comprehension at times. The, the attacks haven't spared civilians, hospitals, schools and homes. For rare disease patients who have remained in Ukraine, to what extent are they able to get the care they need? Well, it depends on the region of Ukraine, but generally speaking, the situation is bad. Um, because even if there are regions which are not frequently attacked, because there is no region that haven't been attacked uh, by rockets so far, but let's say that there are Western uh, parts of Ukraine, which have been just uh, bombed uh, from time to time, not all the time, uh, they are facing a mass uh, um, uh, they have got a lot of internal displaced persons, I mean the internal refugees, because people are fleeing not only to European Union, to Poland, but also to Western Ukraine. Uh, so the hospitals that are in operation and um, are not damaged and there is a full medical staff in the hospitals and they can operate, but they can have like twice the number of patients that they need to uh, deal with. So uh, imagine the situation that there is a hospital in Lviv that we cooperate and most of the patients is in the basement. It's placed in the basement because of the day-to-day uh, -day, uh, uh, air raid alarms and the number of a patient is doubled. Yes. So, they have a chance to receive therapy as long as the medicines are available in Ukraine, because this is also a problem that a part of the medicines is running low or they are not available in, in Ukraine and we need to move those patients to Poland. But uh, the hospitals in the, let's say, safer parts of Ukraine are uh, crowded. How difficult has it been to get care for Ukrainians with rare diseases who have come across the border? Well, um, it differs when it comes to different uh, countries in the European Union. When it comes to Poland, it's easy and it was pretty easy from the very beginning of the war as the uh, law that has been passed in Poland grants an access to healthcare on the same, uh, uh, the same basis, on the same rules 
for Ukrainian refugees, for those who crossed the border after the day of invasion, um, on the same basis as for Polish citizens that get the public insurance. So it was not so, um, this wasn't a problem to, uh, on the legal basis. Of course, there were some problems. We issued some legal opinions. Um, as I'm a lawyer myself, we issued some legal opinions to, to prove that they can get the treatment, even those expensive rare disease treatments. And it occurred to be true after a while. And uh, they can get uh, treatment in Poland. When it comes to other countries, it differs. For example, in Germany, there are different rules in every region. In every uh, region, there are different um, procedures for the refugees. In some of the regions, they need to prove that they are chronically ill and they need to get this therapy before the uh, physician can make a decision. Uh, so it differs. But generally speaking, uh, maybe after a while, but in all uh, European Union countries, uh, those people are entitled to receive uh, medical care. There have been some remarkable stories of the work you've been doing. You've been able to help at least 60 patients and their families so far get out of Ukraine, find temporary shelter, and also help connect them to medical care. Some of these patients were scheduled for major medical procedures that were disrupted by the war. I, I wanted to ask you about a few of those stories, starting with a little girl, Emily, who had severe combined immunodeficiency, or SCID, who came from near Lviv. What happened in her case? Well, SCID is a really severe condition. I mean, this is the bubble boy disease. Mm, and uh, patients with this kind of uh, deficient, primary immunodeficiency need uh, immediate um, bone marrow transplantation. And this was the case. I mean, the girl, uh, she was less than one year old. She was qualified for the bone marrow transplant um, in uh, Kiev. But the city was bombed. The hospital was closed because it was on the line of fire. And well, they just found uh, the family um, that there will be no bone marrow transplantation in Ukraine even though they've got the donor and everything. And, uh, well, uh, it was the third day of the war, I believe. And they phoned us. Uh, they got a contact for a physician in, in Lviv. And, well, they asked us what to do. And we say, uh, we, of course, didn't know what are the procedures, because there were no procedures this time. Uh, but we say, uh, please come to Poland uh, and we'll find you something. And in 24, less than 24 hours uh, from uh, their call, we found a place, a hospital in Bydgoszcz in the northern Poland, uh, that uh, agreed to, uh, to hospitalize them and to proceed with the bone marrow transplantation for this child. So uh, we... Uh, we also did uh, translations of the medical records, but the most important thing was that, that we found them a shelter in Bydgoszcz and uh, found a hospital that were willing to uh, help them uh, and to proceed with the bone marrow transplantation. So, of course, they needed to go to Bydgoszcz and uh, do some tests again and make sure that the donor is still um, being uh, capable of, of the bone marrow donation. 
Uh, but well, we did it in less than 24 hours, and even without the procedures, just we 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 thought that, uh, that there were those procedures were being discussed in the parliament, but they haven't been approved yet. So we decided that we need to take the risk and save this girl. And uh, I'm glad that we did it. I'm very uh, glad for the help that have been provided by the physicians from the hospital. They also took risk of, of taking care of this child without any procedures, but I believe this is the, this was the only right thing to do then, and both for uh, the physicians and both for us patient advocates. Uh, so, well, this was a um, story, there was a quick run through Poland. They firstly came to us to Katowice, then we go 300 kilometers north and place the girl uh, in the hospital, the separate room just with the mother, and she's uh, currently uh, waiting for the bone marrow transplant in a bit gosh. So I'm very, very happy that uh, we could help and the story was it was crazy, but I'm happy that we uh, managed to, to, to do it. You had mentioned uh, early in the war there was a, a great backup at the border to to get across. There are patients who were stuck there waiting to get across while they were running out of essential medicines. In, in many cases, these are medicines that can't suddenly be stopped without causing serious complications. I, I know there was a, a young child with the rare condition KIF-1A who was stuck at the border and running out of anti-seizure medication. What were you able to do in cases like that? Well, we got information from uh, the European Umbrella Organization for um, rare diseases that there is a case like this, and if you can help. And the family is currently at the border and so on. So we just grabbed a phone and followed our local contacts uh, at the border. We prepared everything for them. I mean, this was an unofficial fast track, but well, um, most of our work uh, regarding helping those patients is to some extent unofficial because there are still no humanitarian procedures, um, exact humanitarian procedures for such situations. So we found uh, the local authorities in the Lviv uh, region and uh, using our Ukrainian friend, we making, uh, I mean, asking for help also for uh, our Ukrainian friend. We managed to get out them of the waiting line before the border and make sure that they will cross the border um, almost instantly. Uh, we issued them an invitation proving that this person, this family is a rare disease family, this uh, person, this boy has a, this rare disease and he needs an urgent treatment in uh, Poland and he's in a very uh, bad state. So with those papers in Polish and in Ukrainian and with help of our um, Ukrainian friends there, we were able to uh, speed everything up and to make sure that this family will cross the border immediately. And then we contacted them with uh, Polish KIF-1A uh, society in Poland, uh, with family with also having a child with KIF-1A and uh, translated their medical documentation and make sure that they uh, will be um, appointed uh, to the uh, neurologist to the physician that is uh, capable of, of treating this disease, who has experience in treating this disease. So we uh, do a very rapid and quick action at the border, and then we proceed, let's say, as usual, to make sure that this family will receive a proper medical care. 
I know in, in some instances, your organization has purchased needed medicines or medical equipment for these patients. How much help are you getting in your efforts? How supportive have other rare disease patient organizations been or drug companies, physicians, hospitals? Well, when it comes to buying medical medicines and medical equipment, as I say, the problem is the part of the hospitals are closed. Part of the hospitals are being cut from the supplies because of the uh, war damages and threats. And um, those patients are in uh, the safer parts of Ukraine, let's say, and the hospitals are being overcrowded. So they need more equipment, more medicines. To some extent, we are able to cover the needs of various um, groups, people with immune deficiencies, other immune disorders, people with skin disease. This is the areas that we uh, provided some medical equipment uh, for free, of course, to the hospitals uh, using um, various ways. Uh, some of them were, were delivered by truck. In other ways, we they use the Ukrainian um, couriers because, uh, let's say, all the well-known uh, courier uh, companies stopped uh, their operations in Ukraine. And uh, this is what we do. I mean, we supply, uh, we, we deliver those supplies to the hospitals that they need them. I mean, we receive the lists of needed equipment and then we are doing our best to deliver everything we can if not we are also if this is not possible i mean for example you cannot uh, uh, cross the border with medicines most of the medicines uh, from the eu to ukraine because it's prohibited if so that we are buying the, the uh, medicines directly in ukraine so this is what we do when it comes to support uh, well i we received the support from various entities when it comes to um, medical supplies, uh, I can name CSL Baring as a company which gave us a uh, remarkable grant at the very beginning of the war, so we can uh, send supplies to uh, hospitals in Lviv and in other regions of Ukraine. But also we are uh, getting support from other organizations. Uh, we get a, a generous uh, grant from Global Genes. We get a generous grant from Amicus and also from the Eurodis, I mean the European Organization for uh, Rare Diseases, the umbrella organization in Europe. So yeah, we are receiving help from many sources, also got some private donations, which I'm also very grateful of. It uh, allows us not only to provide medicines, but also to be able to do the work that we do. I mean, as I mentioned, we stopped other projects and we decided to um, be engaged uh, here for, let's say, 12 months, because this is, we believe this humanitarian disaster will take place. And we are very grateful for every cent because this allows us to uh, work on everyday basis uh, to make sure that patients, uh, rare disease patients from Ukraine and in Ukraine will receive uh, help that they need. What's the ongoing need? What are the biggest challenges you've been trying to address? Well, now we are doing everything to set up a working procedures regarding those uh, cases. Uh, we need more human resources because we got a team of extremely engaged volunteers, uh, not only in Poland, but also, for example, in the, in the US, there is a fantastic girl named Galina from New York that's helping us with 
translation. There is also a guy named Alex from London who is also helping us with translations. Those are members of the Ukrainian diaspora. Uh, but uh, there are fantastic volunteers in Poland on the ground, but we are, I mean, they are getting uh, out of fuel, let's say. You cannot be extremely um, engaged in free of charge activities uh, for a couple of months. I mean, they need to go back to their work and so on. And what we need is human resources. And we would like to uh, hire a, a dedicated project manager, uh, Ukrainian speaking one, that can deal with these cases and to uh, to provide those families with care and shelter and take care of all those things uh, regarding to their stay in Poland, because this is not like that. We are cl closing uh, those cases and then we are not thinking about the families. We still monitor their fate. So uh, we, need the we need people on the ground. And this is what we would like to uh, change in the nearest future. It's an interesting point. I I'm wondering, you know, people are very good about responding to an immediate crisis, but as this conflict drags on and on, is there concern that people will just lose interest and move on to other things? I do think this is not about losing interest because as I said in the very beginning, there are no refugee camps in Poland, which I'm very proud of because the people are inviting Ukrainian refugees into their homes. This is the reality. So they are not about to throw them out of their homes, but those people and our volunteers and many other volunteers have their day-to-day -day activities and they would like to uh, maybe not, um, well, being exhausted every day, I mean, going to work and then going to be a volunteer and going back to home at midnight and waking up at five, again, to go to the work and so on and so on for, for three or two months. Maybe it's not about losing interest because we are here very interested in as a society about what's going to Ukraine. It's just about lack of fuel, lack of energy and a need to rest. Uh, this is we would like to uh, formalize it uh, and uh, hire somebody who would be responsible for uh, those immediate uh, help to those patients from uh, Ukraine. And what would you like people to understand about the situation and the needs of rare disease patients from Ukraine coming across the border? Well, the first thing is that, that the humanitarian crisis is not about to, to end when the war is over. I mean, we all believe that uh, the victory is, is close and uh, the war will stop uh, soon. But uh, even though there is peace, not all of those patients will come to Ukraine, go, go back to Ukraine because the country is severely damaged and uh, their home may be damaged, their homes may be damaged. Uh, the infrastructure is, 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 is broken, it's not functioning. Also, when it comes to hospitals, so uh, they, are, they won't go back in a minute after the peace is, is, um, is being... Um, they won't go back immediately after there is peace. And uh, this is why, uh, I mean, the society worldwide need to understand that the help that is going uh, to be needed uh, will, uh, will be needed for months. I mean, we we can estimate that it's about 12 months and this is why this is this is the, the time that we are writing our projects regarding ukraine let's say for at least 12 months this would be an issue 
for at least 12 months there will be new refugees because uh, let's say there was a war near Kiev. There is now it's an offensive in the east part of Ukraine and we are receiving new and new refugees from this part of Ukraine. Uh, some of those people are in western Ukraine, but they are getting low of uh, medicine. So they are also deciding to go to, to, to the EU. Uh, countries, so we are still facing the problem. We will face the problem for months, and does those, uh, I mean, the national alliances in various countries need to be prepared to uh, provide um, care for those patients who are going to leave Ukraine for Poland, for other EU countries, but also, for example, for the US or or Canada. For our listeners who would like to help financially or in other ways, where can they learn more? Well, when it comes to uh, our um, websites, uh, you can learn more about our actions on the on our website. It's eduinstitute.org. And when it comes to donations, there is a button on the website, but there is also a uh, full page dedicated to Ukraine, Ukraine and Ukrainian related donations on the uh, at the address uh, donations.eduinstitute.org. Adrian Goretsky, founder, president of the Healthcare Education Institute in Poland. Adrian, thanks so much for your time today. Again, Daniel, thank you for inviting me. I was very happy to share those stories with you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.